All right, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk, this is at the end of the Old Testament. Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. If you need some help, um, it is on page 614 of my Bible. Hope that helps you out. Um, but I, I know the book of Habakkuk might be new to you. I don't have a whole lot of time to talk about the context of it. Um, but we are kicking off a brand new series called Set Apart. As I just explained on this video, we, as we were going through the book of Acts together, uh, the summary of the book of Acts is God's spirit working through God's people unleashing God's movement around the world. And um, as we kind of jumped into Acts chapter 13, I decided to hit a pause um, because Acts 13 kicks off Paul's missionary journeys. There's three missionary journeys as you go from Acts 13 to Acts 28. And I can't wait. Next year, we are, Lord willing, by God's grace, through the power of the Holy Spirit, going to wrap up the book of Acts, okay? I know I told y'all we'd be done in the book of Acts by 2028, but I think we're going to try and end it in 2023. And uh, we're going to have a blast together going through those missionary journeys and considering what it means to be for our city. And so I'm so excited to jump into that. But as I shared earlier, Acts chapter 13, verse two through three, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart. Everybody say set apart. Come on, you gotta say it like you mean it. Set apart. Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them, Right? And so two of the top leaders, right, in the church in Antioch, as we learned, remember Antioch, like Vegas, right? Uh, God's moving in Vegas during this time. Two of the top leaders, God calls out. And he calls them to go and continue this mission. Remember that they learned from Jesus, Jesus poured into the disciples. The disciples poured into Barnabas. Barnabas poured into Saul, who later became Paul. Paul poured into Timothy, so on and so forth. And so we are going to look at, for just a few weeks as we close out 2022, because as I've been praying and asking the Lord, okay, Lord, what, what do you want from our church? Where are you leading us um, where's the spirit leading us? There's two things that God's put upon my heart. Number one, to challenge our church as we close out this year in the area of commitment and to really talk about what it means to make a covenant with our church and to, to put deep roots in a local church that partners with God's kingdom all over the city of Pittsburgh and the world. So I'm asking the Lord for that. But then secondly, I really believe that God wanted us to prepare ourselves for the vision that God's called us to in 2023 together by locking in in the subject of leadership. Leadership is influence, as John Maxwell says. And every single one of us have, at some way, shape, or form, an influence on somebody in this city. And I'm just believing that what God wants to do within our church after establishing commitment and covenant, becoming part of our church family, we are now going to challenge ourselves over the next six weeks together. And then we're gonna end the year with a great Christmas party together on December 18th. 
But from now all the way to December 11th, we're going to take this six-week journey, and we're going to, in a sense, okay, I don't know if this spooks you out or, or not, but this is kind of like preseason training for 2023 together. So we're going into the weight room. We're going into the weight room. We're going to lift some weights together. We're going to do some sprints together. We're going to, maybe some of us need to go on a diet together. Annabeth grabbed my belly yesterday and said, we got to deal with this, Right? And so, like, we all need some help, right? We all need some training. Um, can I just maybe put this in your mind? Do you think that the church here, as the Holy Spirit calls Paul and Barnabas out, do you think the church here um, was just winging it with Paul and Barnabas? No, they had encountered, they had seen the training, the preparation in Paul and Barnabas' life, the weight room prep, you don't ever go into a season. You have a preseason, and then you have a training camp before preseason, right? And so we've got to take our time and really um, let iron sharpen iron together. And I just believe with all my heart that this is going to be a time of strength and growth and incredible power in the name of Jesus. Now let's remind ourselves as we go into the weight room, the Christ's life is not actually about what we do for God. It's what God does for us. And so even by us getting into this series, I symbolically wanted to have a quick moment where I sat down symbolically before the Lord. Because I know at the end of the day, even if I was the most unbelievable, motivational, inspiring pastor that could ever be to you over the next six weeks, what I have to offer you is nothing without God. Nothing. I have nothing to offer you outside of the power, the majesty, and the beauty of our God. And so can we remind ourselves that as we pump weights, we put some praise music on. Because we ain't called to be strong. What did the Apostle Paul remind the church in Ephesus? He doesn't say be strong, church. He says be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So let's consider in our first message of this series, the action word, see. <laughs> see. We're gonna look at Habakkuk chapter two, verse one through five. Let me share a few things before we get there to set up the context. Increased turmoil, racial tension, rising terrorism, an overwhelming amount of tragedies, extreme trauma, major uncertainty. Um, this isn't just a picture of our world today. Anybody would admit that's a picture of our world today? This is the world that Habakkuk knew as we find this text here today. This is the picture of the world that's found in this book. And so as we open up our Bibles to Habakkuk chapter two, um, I want us to maybe think about a few things because I'm sure you are concerned about the current state and even the future of our world. 
I don't know if any of you ask yourself, why are you doing this, Lord? Why, why is this going on right now? Why doesn't God intervene in the chaos that's happening all over our world? Why, why doesn't God come in and, and throw the smack down on evil? Why doesn't God clean up this world? Do you know that the prophet Habakkuk brought the exact same questions, if that's you? If you found yourself over, let's just say since COVID, saying, God, why? Like, if you are in control of all things, why can't you clean this up? Why can't you bring healing? Why can't you bring peace? Why can't you unleash revival on the streets of your city? Why? If you would say, man, I've even felt guilty about doing that, I'm gonna show you in scripture that there was a prophet that asked God why. Do you know that as kind of Habakkuk kicks off, Habakkuk complains to God. Anyone willing to admit you've complained to God before? All right? Habakkuk complains to God. God, do you not see what's going on? Do you not see the trouble that we're in? Do you not see the chaos? Do you not see the hurting? Where are you, God? Well, Habakkuk wrote this in a time of crisis and corruption. The Babylonian Empire, taken from a commentary, had taken over the Assyrian Empire, defeated the Egyptians, and they were headed to defeat Judah. Not only was there an international threat upon the people of God to be taken over, but there was also intense corruption within the people of God. So it was like a double whammy. There were enemies wanting to take over the people of God and then the people of God themselves couldn't get their act together. They were fighting themselves. Thus, prophet Habakkuk has to step up in leadership. And if you go and look in chapter one, if right the first part, look at the verse two there. There might be a heading in your Bible. It says Habakkuk's complaints. <laughs> He's like, come on, man. I mean, we got enemies about to take us out and my own cousins are fighting each other. I mean, I can't find peace anywhere. Can't we just get along? What's going on, God? Where are you? And, and although, I don't know if I gave it to the, to the screen behind me, but look in Habakkuk chapter one, verse five. Look at God's response to Habakkuk as he comes and complains. God says this, look among the nations and what? See, everybody say see. see. Nudge your neighbor that just went to sleep and say, see. All right. Look among the nations, God says, and see. Now, I love this. If this doesn't give you goosebumps, you might be dead. God says this, wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days. These days when enemies are about to take you over, these days when your own people can't even get along, I am about to do a work in your days that you would not even believe if I told you. 
I got goosebumps. That's the, the far more that the Apostle Paul prayed for. That God would be able to do far more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And so what does that mean? Some of y'all are big dreamers. You're praying big prayers. You're believing God for big things. And God's telling you and I here in this text right now that if I was to give you a little glimpse as to what I actually had in store for you, you don't even have faith enough to believe in what I could do. I can do far more than anything you could ever anticipate, expect, or imagine. How good is that? Let's remind ourselves where the people of God are. Because some of you are discouraged. You're like, oh, shoot, I got to worship and pray all the time to get the Holy Spirit to move. What are the people doing right now? They're in turmoil. They're fighting each other. They're not even positioned to look for God. And yet God's gonna do something that if they were told, they wouldn't even believe. I think that's so powerful. And so you would think that at this point, Habakkuk's like, cool. All right, God, with you. No, Habakkuk keeps complaining. (laughs) Any of y'all complained once to God? God kind of give you some sort of clarity, peace, and even answered some prayers. And then like, you know, with forgetting everything, um, you go right back to complaining. Mac and Burke, sit still, stop making noise. They, they go back to complaining, right? And, and so this is what I, I want us to consider here. Understand the human side of this. We are still going to, in our imperfect ways, pursue God together. And can we just pause and thank God for his grace in our imperfection? I'm so thankful for it. Habakkuk goes right back into complaining. And as he's wrapping up his second complaint, God answers him. And this is our primary text. Look in the text, Hebrews chapter two, verse one through four. Because maybe you're on your second complaint. All right, can I confess something? 79th complaint right here. Like, you know, last week. Oh, I don't know if I need to listen to that guy preach. He complains that much to God? Yeah. So here's a word for me. I hope some of y'all get something out of this. It says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see, everybody say see, what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. That's Habakkuk. It says, and the Lord answered me. Don't overlook that. God is so faithful. He doesn't always answer us the way we want to be answered. He doesn't answer us in the timing. But I do believe with all my heart, the Lord desires to answer us. And it says here, and the Lord answered me. Write 
the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. (laughs) I love it. There's nothing that annoys me more than a theorist. (laughs) I need action. I am not a guy that loves going to the woods and just processing the deep things of God. I've been known to tackle trees in the woods once I recognize the great things of God. Because it's like when God truly speaks to me, man, I'm, I'm ready to do something about it. I love that statement there. We're going to break that down. So he may run who reads it. Now verse 3. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow. (laughs) I, I just need to know the room that I'm talking to. Anybody feel like God's answer for you is coming real slow? Anybody? Can anybody? Okay, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, so. Maybe God's got a word for us here. If it seems slow, I think we're about to find something that we actually spent four weeks talking about in the book of Acts. What's the next statement? Wait for it. (laughs) Okay, let's let's find out if we've, we've helped anybody grow in their understanding. When God gives you a waiting season, Is that season a wasteful season, anybody? Okay, we learned that. When God gives you a waiting season, there's purpose. And in waiting seasons, there can be wonder. In waiting seasons, there can be witness. All right, so? You mean to tell me, Rob, that the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament? Yeah. The Old Testament never contradicts the New Testament. God's word is fulfilled in the New Testament. But God the Spirit wrote the Old and New Testament. And so, wait for it, right? It will surely come. Look at that faith. It will not delay. Behold, though, in verse 4, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. We need God's vision. If you want to be an influencer, a leader at any level, in any way, shape, or form, I pray that the first thing that you do as a leader is you seek out God and what he has in store for you. And if you're called as a leader to be an influencer, where's the direction you are influencing toward? I pray it's God's way. Our first task as leaders is not necessarily our platform moments. It's our moments on our knees in a closet praying before our God. It's our intimacy moments with God. For if my assignment as your pastor is simply this, to listen to Jesus and do what he says, it'd probably be a good idea for me to lock in on vision. 
on seeing exactly what it is that the Lord has in store for us so that I might be obedient to his will. A few years ago, I had the privilege of traveling to South Korea to preach alongside my dad. We were there for a week and a half and I preached like 40 times to a bunch of church planners. My dad preached in all the mega churches over there. I had more fun. And uh, one day we had like an afternoon free and, and my mom, she was with us, but she decided to kind of chill. We were going at quite a lick and rest at the hotel. My dad and I decided um, to get on kind of one of these tourist buses and to go up to the border of South and North Korea. It's an area called the DMZ. It's basically an area that had been established ever since the Korean War. If you talk to South Koreans today, that Korean War is still very much happening. Although it started in 1950, they believe it's still very much alive today. And it's such a sad thing over there, but I want you to know as I preached all over the country, man, God is moving in South Korea today. Um, like honestly, no place in the world. One of those reasons, and, and Christians in South Korea will tell you, is because of the threat of being taken over at any moment by North Korea. If, if we had... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be ugly here. If we had the threat of Canada taking us over, we all know that couldn't happen. But if Canada was gonna take us over, uh, we'd be on our knees praying. I, th I guarantee our churches would be packed out too. And so they, they're desperate for the Lord to protect them. And so you can go up to this DMZ area and we're on this tourist bus, me and my dad, and there's people from Malaysia and China and all over Eastern Europe and everybody. I mean, I'm telling you, we're one of the few people even speak English on this bus. And, and as we roll up, I mean, it's like a theme park. There's roller coaster rides and there's restaurants and all this other kind of stuff. And then God provided. I was so sick and tired of kimchi. I mean, I didn't know half the things I ate that entire week. But as we rolled onto this amusement park right at the DMZ, I look up and this South Louisiana boy sees heaven on earth. There was a Popeye's chicken right there on the border of South Korea and North Korea. I mean, it's time for me to bless all these people from across the world with some spicy chicken from Popeye's. Love that chicken from Popeye's. Love that chicken from Popeye's. Um, I bought the entire bus chicken and we had a blast. And as we took our tour, we go over to this train station. Do you know that South Korea, one of the things that they pray for in the future is the reunification of Korea. Do you know there's relatives on the North Korea side that through this war were separated from relatives on the South side. And they're praying for this reunification. And do you know that South Korea on their side of the DMZ, they have built a train station in anticipation. It's a beautiful, like nobody's been able to use it because of the border. Nobody can cross over the border. But they went ahead and built a vision building believing that God would answer their prayers to one day rid North Korea of the terror and to one day bring their family back together. Um, we need God's vision. And we need the faith to believe that God can do this, amen? 
But we have a responsibility, and this is what we find out. Habakkuk is praying for peace. He's praying for unity. He's praying for all these things. But in this text, we find that he has responsibility when it comes to discovering, when it comes to recognizing, when it comes to receiving God's vision. And so I wanna challenge us as leaders with a few things here today as we consider this. Number one, if we need God's vision, how about this? Number one, it's time for us to receive God's vision. It's time for us to receive God's vision. Can't just pray, we need God's vision, we need God's vision, we need God's vision, and then hope that somehow through osmosis or somehow it's just gonna land our lap. No, we need to go about actively receiving God's vision. How do we do that? There's three things here in this text. Look once again at verse one. It says, I'll take my stand at my watch post, station myself on the tower, and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. The first thing is position. Everybody say position. What does he say there? He goes, I will take my stand at my watch post. This is a movement of the body. If you're crying out for the Lord to speak, are you positioning yourself in places where he can speak? Are you waking up Grabbing your phone and the first thing scrolling through who thought your post the night before was the most impressive in the world. You're positioning yourself for the world's applause, not for God's word. You see, we have to position ourselves. I'm just, it's okay, I've gotta be honest. I asked for our church last week to prioritize being here six weeks in a row. And it can, by all purposes, from last week to this week, and I get it, church attendance, everybody can do whatever they want to. It looks like our church has a bye week too. And I'm not trying to blitz those who are here. Thank you for being here. I find it real difficult if you don't consistently put yourself in a position to hear from God. And you can hear from God anywhere, but I think there's something powerful about these moments. I can't afford to go through another Monday through Saturday without this moment right now. Because I know that's all that Satan needs is five days. I gotta be recharged. I gotta be reminded. I need the people of God's encouragement in my life. Position, but number two, posture. My dad's South African. Old school, kind of British schools, but I love how he says posture. Posture just sounds proper. So we don't just need position, movement of the body, we need posture, eagerness of the mind. How many of y'all know you can sign up for a class but not actually be there? <laughs> Anyone guilty of falling asleep? That's, that was a problem for me. I can fall asleep whenever I'm comfortable. You put me around something bored, boring, I will fall asleep in front of you. Right, like you can position yourself to be in the room but are you there? Posture is a leaning in, a leaning forward, an anticipation, an expectation. Are you coming here with your arms folded saying, I wonder what Rob's gonna give to me today? Or are you coming in with an expectation of, Lord, you're about to speak to me today? 
Habakkuk said, I'm not just going to take my stand at my watch post. What does he say? I'm going to station myself on the tower and I'm going to look out to see. So I'm putting myself in the place and now I'm like, where's it coming? Posture. Have fun. Say it like my dad. Posture. Posture. Every time I hear that, I think of my dad with a spanking coming if I don't sit up straight. Number three, though, preparation. Position, posture, preparation. This is now a willingness of the heart. Movement of the body, eagerness of the mind, willingness of the heart. And this is what I love in the text in verse one. He goes, I'll look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Basically what he's doing is preparing himself (laughs) for whatever it is that God might be telling him. Let's practice something, you ready? Everybody say, yes, Lord, yes. Ready? Yes, Lord, yes. Do it one more time. Yes, Lord, yes. 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 I have found that when God speaks to me, he doesn't say, so what do you think? Will this hurt your feelings? Does this fit with your schedule and your kid's sleep schedule? Yes, Lord, yes. Preparation. Have you received God's vision? Number two, declare God's vision, all right? So hopefully God has spoken to you and he's revealed to you where it is that he's called you to. I love this. In verse two, it says, and the Lord answered me. So he positioned himself. He's leaning in. He's prepared. And now the Lord speaks. And as the Lord answers him, he says three things. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. Number one, I want you to visualize. Write it down. Write it down. Put it in front of you. Visualize this thing. If the Lord has truly spoken to you, this should be in front of you way more than social media. This should be on your mirror as you're getting ready. This should be on your dashboard as you're driving to work. Write it down. But Don't just write something down. I love this. Clarify it. Visualize it. Clarify it. The Lord says, make it plain. Y'all know me, I'm just not that smart. That's why I use alliteration, because I can't memorize things without it. Plus, I believe it's anointed by God. But I alliterate things so that I don't care to just preach a sermon right here. I want to preach on Tuesday to my neighbor. And so I visualize it, right? I clarify it, and then I love it. I apply it. So he may run who reads it. I'm not just writing something down so that people would like my Instagram post and think I'm just amazing. No, I've put something in front of me 
And I've clarified that thing so that I might not just be talk, but walk. I want to be about it. Why do I want to be about it? Because God said. God said. I want to show you a picture, and I've, I think I've showed you this before. This is the Wilton Family Manifesto. In 2000, babe, 17, 2018, maybe, um, I was wrapping up my doctoral cohort in New Orleans, and one of the assignments that a pastor gave us, they said, look, you're phenomenal pastors, and you have great vision statements for your church. And he literally, he caught us all off guard. He goes, can somebody give me the vision statement for your house? We're all like, oh, snap, <laughs> that hurt. And so a task for a month was we had to go back to our wives and to our families and together write a family manifesto. And so we created this family manifesto, and I'm, I believe I gave it to you, babe, on our anniversary, on our wedding anniversary. Uh, isn't it crazy how much Bolt, Mac, Burke, and McCall have grown up? I don't know what's wrong with Mac's face there, but that gives you a little taste of what we've had to deal with in our house. Um, but... Man, I just love my family, and I love what God led us to write together. We worked on this together, even with the kids as young as they are. And this is our family manifesto. It says, we are a family that has been loved by Jesus in order to love like Jesus so that the world will know Jesus by our love. Together, we remain thankful for his love, faithful in his love, and generous with his love. There's some of our favorite family verses, 1 John 4:19, Deuteronomy 6:5, Galatians 5:14. If you notice down below, there's six shotgun homes from New Orleans. Mine's got some black and gold in it. Who that? Mama's has some purple in it. Bolts is green. Mac and Burt, it's kind of hard to see now, but it's blue and red, and that's been kind of their colors. And they're identical twins, but the doors are on opposite sides. They might be identical, but those two birds are unique. And then the princess is pink. It's, it's who we are. Can I, can I tell you where this thing hangs since that moment? It's the centerpiece of our entire home. As my kids come down the stairs every day for school, this is what they see. It's on the wall as they come down the steps. And I'm telling you, we are far from perfect. We are nuts. I'm just telling you, our family's nuts. But I will say that this, write it down, clarify it, apply it, is in process. Because we prayed and we sought the Lord for what he has in store for our family. And it's too important for us to not see every day. Y'all with me? I love that here in this text, we're called to not just receive God's vision, we're called to declare God's vision. My oldest, who's not here, because he's watching sister who's not feeling good right now, he is a boy, 14. Did something really stupid yesterday. At the core, the reason why I made him walked to the top of the neighborhood to apologize to the family that he 
committed this crime against, it wasn't that serious. It's because of that. And he's being punished in different ways right now, and, and we've taken some things from him, but I don't want him to think about punishment. I want him to think about what God has called our family to. And as a core, because we're a family that's been loved by Jesus in order to love like Jesus so that the world would know Jesus by our love, he failed to do that. And I helped him see, you're on a mission, son. God's called us to a mission, and you're going to go and apologize because we have a mission. But lastly, we come to trust God's vision. Trust God's vision. See, we don't just receive God's vision. We don't just declare God's vision. We trust God's vision. And in verse three and verse four, we see this incredible reminder to trust God's vision because we can all admit it is hard to wait. We can all admit it's hard to release control. As we go to 2023, can I tell you why some in this room don't give a tithe to the Lord through God's local church? It's because of trust. By not giving the first 10% of your income to the Lord through the local church, you're saying this. Lord, I trust myself more with 100% in my bank account than you with 90% in my bank account. We have to trust God's vision. So there's three things in verse three and verse four. Number one, there is timing. I want you to know that God has planned all things. Amen? It says, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. <laughs> it hastens to the end. <laughs> Trust God's time in church. Here's what I found. Oh, thank you, Siri. Number two, truth. It says that it hastens to the end. It will not lie. There's a lot of promises being made to you in this world. Right now, we have two candidates in the Senate. Who's tired of hearing from those two guys? Good Lord. Can we please get past this preparation for next year's election? I, I'm just telling you, go ahead and go all in with either one of these candidates. They can never guarantee it will not lie. Your political party, all right, I'm about to say something that's gonna be careful. Your pastor can't guarantee that. That's why I try my best to never say thus says the word of Rob. It's thus says the word of God. And God's truth will not lie. Number three, tomorrow, it says, if it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. It guarantees us that although we can at times become puffed up and we can at times lose sight, the righteous shall live by his works? No, by his faith. 
So stay available, trusting God, who is the God of tomorrow. He is in control of all things. So three questions as we close. Number one, have you received God's vision? Number two, are you declaring God's vision? Number three, will you trust God's vision? As Phoebe and Josiah come up, I wanna show you at the end here of Habakkuk something beautiful. Look with me in Habakkuk chapter three, verse 18. This conclusion to this very short book, if you notice, there's three chapters in Habakkuk. The conclusion to this book This last chapter, it's one of the most beautiful conclusions in all of scripture. In search for God's vision for the future, God helps Habakkuk recognize that God isn't interested in giving us in regards to vision, the what? God wants to give us the who. And I'm sure if I pass a microphone, we've got a few what's that we're praying for. Jobs, relationships, provision, peace, freedom, healing. We got a number of things that we could probably lay before God. But what God says to Habakkuk, greater than peace on earth, greater than financial provision, greater than anything in this world, the thing that you Habakkuk need, the thing that my people need is me. For the root of God's vision is the focused glory of God. And in chapter three, verse 18, As God reveals at the end of this book, Habakkuk, you are all that I need. It says this in verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And I will take joy. Even if I'm waiting, even if it's in turmoil, even if I have more provision than I know what I need, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Listen to what this one commentary says. Habakkuk's book begins with an interrogation of God, but ends as an intercession to God. Worry is turned into worship. Fear is turned into faith. Terror becomes trust. Hangups are resolved with hope. Anguish melts into adoration. What begins with a question mark ends with an exclamation point. The answer to Habakkuk's why is who? His confusion, why all the conflict God is resolved with his comprehension now of who is in control. And that is our God. That is our God.